right. Oh, there it goes. Woo-hoo. Yeah, here we go. Hello, everyone. I am Zach. I'm Evelyn. And I'm Carlo. Welcome back. So we had our 0.0 last week. Y'all didn't hear that, but we got to hear it, and uh, we had so much fun, we thought we'd bring it to the general world. So I don't think we did get to hear it. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some technical difficulties on our last record that led to, uh, unfortunately, a podcast getting recorded that none of you will ever hear. But uh, yeah, now we're we're back. We're here to talk about some uh, some new things. Happy to talk... Happy to have you guys here with us. Happy to happy to be here, of course. Yeah, yeah awesome. So uh, what are we talking about today? So one of the first things I kind of wanted to talk about is sort of like a general thing. Get get kind of in the get kind of to telling stories about our gaming life, and uh, I sort of wanted to talk about what is some of your favorite weird moments from a game that you've ever played. And I I figured I'd kind of start out where. One of my the probably the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life was playing Octodad, and we got to a point in the game where uh, Mr. Octodad I don't know if his character has a name or anything so let's I mean Mr. Octodad I think is sure. a, a fair name uh, gets to a point in the game where you have to wait in line, and I was playing with two other friends my girlfriend and my best friend. And we were messing everything up. So I was just like, quick, we have to put our hands straight up in the air. So, you know, the or <laughs> tentacles, I guess, straight up into the air. So that and no one will be suspicious. And what we discovered from doing that, actually, is that causes you to hop slightly. So uh, we had both of our hands straight up all the way in the air, just like hopping along in line, literally perfectly in line. And <laughs> it was just, the look of it made me laugh so hard. And so I just was curious to hear what your guys' little things of accidental accidental humor coming out of your gaming lives oh that's a good question gonna give give me a second the no thing that comes to mind for me first is playing games with my brother uh specifically in uh oblivion you could do the duplication hack mm, okay and we found a little cabin and duplicated and duplicated until you were chest deep in a sea of potions. (laughs) The Xbox was screaming, and then it flickered and just died of us in a room chest deep in potions. That's awesome. it was probably the most hilarious thing that's ever happened. Oblivion was the game that actually <laughs> broke the first Xbox 360 I ever had. Like I and that was one of the worst experiences because I I was used to, you know, little load times and stuff and then yeah. I it, I got past the load time and then the game sort of like stopped for a second. I was like, "Huh, that's weird. What's going on there?" So I sort of was checking hit the button to turn it off. And uh it wouldn't turn off and then it red ringed. Yeah. And it was all over. This didn't kill the Xbox for good, but we oh, decided thankfully. to to step away for a little bit to give it a chance to cool down from the like furnace like heat it was putting out yeah, so, trying I mean, to render if if 100,000 potions. If you're <laughs> that deep in potions, like what you should have done is just like have them be potions that uh you have like multiplying effects and stuff so you could just get, you know, 700,000 points of health and stuff like that. I think that when we started out we were doing it for something practical cuz Another thing that's really funny in that game is if you do a duplication and you're on any sort of slope, it's just like, like, fuck you, crawl around on the ground and find all of this stuff. So we were doing it in this room so that we wouldn't have that problem. And then it was like, hey, I wonder just how many potions we could put in this room. <laughs> classic. I, that, see, that's like the classic thing for me. And part of the reason I sort of wanted to get into this is, you know, 
gaming has such a unique potential to be since you are sort of creating your own story with those kind of things it can end up being so much funnier because you're doing things that the game never intended to do. Yeah. And, you know, very funny stuff can come out of that. And Anyway, Carlo, do you have anything come to mind? Honestly, like, I'm trying to think, and I just can't think of the last time I laughed really hard at a game. And maybe it's because I spent a lot more time playing single-player games mm. or competitive games mm-hmm. where it's like, it's not necessarily the game itself that causes me to laugh it's usually just other people for like you know example uh hanging out in like a counter-strike clan lobby like i just remember the jokes and the sort of the camaraderie those were the things that made me laugh yeah sure and the stuff that uh played in game even when we did stuff that was like uh the sort of like source mods and sort of zombies and like all these like weird things like you could you, there were their RPG servers where you could cast spells at other people, and those times those would be funny. But um, nothing actually in the game itself hmm. that comes to mind. That's fair, right I mean, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's totally fair. I, you, I mean, like I said, that's the thing about playing those games. Like, I mean, it can be something totally accidental. It can be something that's not even a part of the game itself. I mean, you know, for example, what I think is so funny about Octodad is that. You know, the story is funny in its of itself. There's some pretty funny writing in there, but nothing is really as funny as just the fact that you're actually playing it. You're creating all the weirdness, and that's what's actually making you laugh. You know, Quap is pretty similar. Um, all those kind of games. Surgeon Simulator is a very famous one for that, where it's just because you're so bad at it and because it is just you're creating it yourself, that's what makes it as funny as it is. I think that another aspect to that is like Quap and is a multiplayer game. Mm. And similar to what you were saying, Carla, like it's the people that really makes it funny. Like the game can be funny, but when you're experiencing it with somebody else, that's what makes it hilarious. I've been playing a lot of uh, Don't Starve with a couple of yes. friends of mine who are extremely familiar with the game and they won't tell me anything because my reactions are really funny, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know yeah, that. I mean, like, Don't Serve is definitely one of those games where they, they they just kind of throw you out. It's like, I mean, it's obviously one of those survival games, right? Yeah. Like, kind of a rogue light or sort of, like, deal where you're just trying to survive as long as you can. Yeah. But uh, just knowing the some of the things in that game, yeah. uh, I, I can definitely see how the reactions to that can definitely, like, blow up. And it is really hilarious when I walk into a like a new biome and I'm like, huh, what's this? Ah, monster! Oh, God! <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck! Shh. Run, 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 run! <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is such a... I mean, I, I don't think I would enjoy playing Octodad as much as I do if it wasn't for lots and lots of alcohol and always... So I, I don't think I've ever played Octodad sober, which, you know, Fair. is a, a factor into probably why I enjoy it as much as I do. Uh, but it, it's to me that's kind of the perfect game to play when you're drunk because it is a co-op game. You can have four-player co-op, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful mess, and it's great. Yeah. But you can also finish it within like you know two, three hours. Probably actually no, we've gotten through it in like an hour and a half. Like, and it's that's kind of the perfect length of a game in terms of you really shouldn't give a shit about this game, but you're going to have a fun time playing it. Well, that's why every single Nintendo game, like like couch co-op Nintendo game, is amazing. The couch multiplayer, it's, uh, it's you know, 
that's I honestly my favorite type of gaming, and it's one of the saddest things for me when uh, a lot of the other consoles are sort of getting rid of it, and or at least it's it sort of feels like a lot of them, a lot of the games are sort of moving away from it. And the example I always use for this is uh, Halo, mm-hmm. where I spent so many hours with my friends playing Halo One co-op, Halo Two co-op, or you know Halo co-op. Uh, whatever multiplayer however you want to put it together and you know we had some land parties and stuff like that it was i mean that was a ton of fun it was just kind of getting a bunch of people together if if i had friends over just playing some of that or uh i did that in gears of war actually the game that i spent probably the most time in was star wars battlefront where oh, me yeah. and my friend would pull split screen <laughs> uh listen to Stadium Arcadium by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which should tell you a lot about about what time period this is. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that was probably spend a couple of hours doing that just about just about every weekend or so. And I, I feel kind of sad that, you know, if I want to play a modern Halo game, I can't do couch co-op. It's all online only or, you know, Gears of War is the same way now. It's all online only. And yeah. I understand why that is. You don't want people to buy one copy or your game to play it when you can have them buy two but it makes me sad and i'm glad i'm glad that nintendo is still really prioritizing it even if few other people are yeah and i I would actually say that um a lot of the indie games you see now nowadays are kind of going through that couch co-op or local multiplayer party game whatnot i mean you see things like the jackbox Mm, um i I think they're on three packs now right Mm -hmm. and each game or each game pack still seems to kind of kill it in terms of entertainment but then you have things like um what's that one it's like a very pixelated game and you have like swords like rapiers and then you're trying to get from one end to another and then you get eaten by the snake it's like this very oh, oh 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 oh! I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about Nidhogg. Yeah, Nidhogg. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of that sort of thing. And I know that Nidhogg two just came out. Uh, yeah, there's recently. A, there's a few others. I know uh, uh, Sports Friends is one. I yeah, played at Sports one point Friends is pretty good. And uh, was it like a uh, Samurai Gun? I think was actually uh, a great one. It's like a uh, you're in a box and it's up to four player like. Um, multiplayer and you're all on the same screen and you're basically you basically have a gun and a samurai sword and these different levels to traverse jumping up and down like ninjas basically trying to kill each mm-hmm. other which is mm-hmm. it's very super smash brothers-esque but it's kind of one of those one hit you die things. so it's very fast paced uh quick and it's a lot of fun yeah i mean i i've never played that one i have played some a little bit of towerfall ascension which is sort of a similar idea yeah, as well which is really pretty fun. much the same game. i had a really good time playing that i mean yeah I, I, there is there is uh, there is still some stuff doing that but it seems like like you said it's all the indie stuff it's very rare for the big budget stuff to do that and you know we're couple days away from the release of the switch and that's one of the things that i'm really hoping that nintendo really keeps up with is i'm glad that you brought that up because that is a thing that worried me when i first saw the announcement about the switch because it comes with the pad with the two um joy cons joy cons joy con yep um what a weird name yeah (laughs) um and I can't find anywhere about control or support for more than two Joy-Cons on one Switch. And, like, 
Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I I don't know if there is because like you obviously you don't have a Wii bar or a Wii thing to connect to it, right? Yeah. Because um yeah yeah there's no connection for that so you can't necessarily use Wii remotes when you have it docked in. So if you can only use two Joy Cons, they are totally taking away like your like four to eight player Smash. I think I, yeah, I, I did <laughs> see four. There are some four player games, but I haven't actually seen a. Like an extra Joy-Con pairing to the actual. Yeah, I mean, but, and some of that is, you know, we don't know shit about the Switch, despite it being, you know, four or five days away at this point. Yeah. Uh, which I think is sort of strange by Nintendo. A lot has I been mean, made I, of I've that. I've seen fact, like but... a couple of things out online here and there. Like you see a couple of videos, a couple of games came out. So they have uh, those sort of Nintendo events that press gets into. Uh, There's that game, the. One two switch. Yeah, yeah. So that that as far as I can tell, that is more or less a two player game. Yeah, that, that's as far as I can tell as well. It's yeah. just a sort of I. I what the heck, Nintendo? It <laughs> seems like it's just a versus, which might. I mean, it still looks pretty fun, but yeah. I can't. Like there, there's there was a little bit in the trailer I remember uh, seeing where it was a group of people playing Splatoon, an esports thing. Which I know a lot of people were kind of surprised by mm-hmm. because you know Smash is Nintendo's big esports community, uh, but I mean there hasn't really been anything beyond that of you know four to eight person multiplayer as you said, which would be kind of it, it, that the four person multiplayer is always some of the most fun you can have. And the interesting thing is you you gotta kind of look at the Switch right, and you're kind of wondering whether you know it is in fact replacing the Wii U because the Wii yes. U hasn't. Yeah. historically sold well they're it discontinuing production you know, they're not really yeah. continuing production but at the same time they're kind of like oh yeah it's not really st- replacing the 3ds either but you can kind of see these sort of different price changes coming in for the 3ds uh games it's been out for how long at this point like i don't know yeah probably I- i'm guessing i remember it coming out i believe around around my first few years of high school so it had to be uh pro- we're probably approaching 10 years for the 3ds yeah uh no actually the 3ds originally came out in 2011 2011 okay so so it's about six six years almost seven uh, okay. years old that's that's younger than i thought uh so what about okay so what about the ds because that may be what i'm thinking yeah of. so like the nintendo ds i think i remember people playing that when i was uh, starting high school uh i think the ds looks like it came out in 2004 actually wow wow that's actually Insanely. older than i thought wow um i don't remember it catching on until like maybe a couple years afterwards yeah i mean that's the it's one of those things that I'm sure Nintendo's really focusing on that, though, because I remember seeing a graphic at one point of the various console sales uh, as of 2012, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And 3DS it, is way up there. It's, it, I mean, it dwarfed <laughs> all the others. It was, you know, Xbox uh, 360 was the top, followed closely by, I think the PS3 was that generation, followed not too far from that by uh, the Wii but it was all like very close between those, and then it's like now let's zoom out to the 3DS, which was just crushing all of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like the popularity of the DS and as a handheld, being able to take it with you, and uh, if are we t- is it worldwide sales that you saw that graph? That for? was probably worldwide. Because yeah, because I would say in other cultures other than Western culture, like mobile gaming is a very very big thing, or at least in Japan. 
people used to have like 3ds's and play with them all the time you would see them on the train whatnot yeah and, and uh, obviously mobile gaming is a big thing here as well just you're more focusing on your phone yeah phone games which is kind of, it's a little bit different yeah i mean it the many problems I have with most phone games notwithstanding. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems like that's more of a thing here than the the more Eastern cultures with where the 3DS is sort of the primary gaming machine for mobile. I mean, it, it would, but I would say that actually has changed in a recent year. Because I think there's sort of rise of these things like Puzzles and Dragons. Um, a lot of the gotcha games, you know, where you're... Mm-hmm. You're trying. You're basically rolling, opening chests and stuff, and waiting on timers. That's very popular in uh, Eastern cultures now, especially China and Japan. Um, so I think there's definitely a, a market shift uh, because you never, you never really saw the Vita take that big of a hold. But then again, the, the Vita library kind of yeah, the Vita was just itself. never. It, yeah, it was never much of a, th- a thing in general, and I, I do find it interesting that if you look above your head, there's a little Wii U tablet, and it it looks like a larger version of the Vita almost. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's just uh, it's just interesting to see what sticks and what doesn't, and I'm 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 very hopeful for the Switch. I'm a big Nintendo lover. Did you pre-order? I did not. I, I wish I did. I, <laughs> I did not have that opportunity because I was in Argentina when it that went live. Uh... And the thing is, this is, like, the best console for me right now because I travel so often. Yes. That, like, being able to bring this with me and bring a console with me reliably without, like, trying to pack my PS4 into some special big box with its own screen, like, it, it's... I'm very excited for yeah, it. Yeah, assuming that works, that's probably what's going to drive me to buy it as well. I mean, a lot of the games look good. Breath of the Wild, obviously, I could not be more excited for. I mean, it's fucking yeah. Zelda. I'm going to play it. I'm going to fucking love it. Well, you so. don't need the Switch for that. You can play I know, it on I, Wii U. I know I can, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Which I think is such a weird choice. It is. Like, I mean, it's, it's your it's launch very... title and you're making it available well, for the I mean, console it, you're it, trying to get rid of. They did that with Twilight Princess yeah, and the Wii. because I was remembering the Wii and the GameCube, right? Huh. Yes. Had the, the Twilight Princess. Yes, both had Twilight Princess. They The Wii had slightly better graphics because... The Wii in general had slightly better graphics power, but not much. But uh, it played so much better on the GameCube. It did. It played a lot better on the GameCube. Because, you, yeah, we, at that point, yeah, you didn't have the uh, Motion Plus. Uh, yeah, they didn't have... The motion controls weren't quite as good. They hadn't nailed that down as much. Uh, I never owned a Wii, so... Neither I, did I. I. I had a GameCube. I played it a little bit on the Wii, and, you know, I ended up just using the buttons... Because motion controls with a sword were so terrible. I hear they were better in Skyward Sword, but never played it. Yeah, I don't think there has been. I, I yeah, I never played Skyward Sword. Um, so Breath of the Wild is probably the last. Is going to be the next Zelda game ever since Wind Waker for me. Mm. Really, uh, notwithstanding Dark Siders, which is a Zelda <laughs> game. I don't really care what anyone. No, says. No, that's fair. I mean, it it, it is. Uh, I. I've been recently replaying all the 3D Zelda games, and it, I'm sad that I can't play Skyward Sword because I've heard good things about it. But uh, since you only have those motion controls, it's it's not something I can really just plug into. Uh, you know, now that they have Ocarina, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, all on the Wii U, which you know, I mean, that's how Nintendo rolls. That's what they're great at. Is like, hey, you want some of this old shit? Fuck yeah, I do. Let I'll buy it again. I'll love it again. I and I'm sure they, 
they have no problem with me buying Ocarina of Time 12 times. I can't well, freaking believe how many times I've bought Pokemon Red. It's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, no, is, that, is that even a <laughs> Nintendo thing, though? So let, let's actually kind of get into that. Uh, remasters. Uh, I think... Or, What's the other word than remaster? Sometimes they use uh, re like not 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 reboots because sure. like I, I reboots, guess that's like, that's only for like if yeah. they're resetting the franchise. Kind of that's kind of like the Devil May Cry scenario where you had that new DMC Devil May Cry that came out, Devil May Cry Four, and rebooted the entire franchise. Yeah, but I'm talking more about things where you now have rumors of Modern Warfare Two um, remastered coming out with the next Call of Duty. Um, yeah, you have I Modern like Warfare coming out again, Nintendo remastered, etc. Sort of invent that, but everybody's jumping on the gravy train now. Well, I mean, it's because you're, you're taking an established IP, and especially established game that everyone likes. So things like you know Ocarina, or even uh, I think one of the first times that actually I played one of those was A Link to the Past on the Game Boy Advance. When mm, it, uh, sure, I think it came out around the time of the SP. Uh, probably around then. Yeah, I mean, my memory of it is I I started with Ocarina of Time because that was the first system I ever had was a Nintendo 64. I feel like, you know, I, we definitely see a lot of those remasters, uh, remastered edition, ultimate edition or whatever the company is calling it. Nintendo, I think, are the only people who will just be like, yeah, we're not going to do shit to this game. You're going to buy the original Ocarina of Time that we have made no changes to whatsoever, no graphical improvements, and there you go. I mean, to be fair, the 3DS one, I don't know for the Wii U one, uh, the 3DS Ocarina of Time did have actually a couple of improvements, yes. at least in terms of usability. I mean, I mean, as much as I love the N64, that controller <laughs> kind of sucked. That controller was not great. Granted, it was really the first controller to... I mean, that's the era when people were st first starting to be able to do 3D, and no one really knew how to do that yet. Yeah, you had the joystick and the D-pad, but they didn't necessarily have that all together right. Yeah. Um, and I know Wind Waker actually came with a couple of changes, because uh, recently for Extra Life, I ran it through with uh, Christine, actually. Nice. I was just playing with, it with her. Um, and they actually had like improvements, like you had you could get a faster sail, you can move faster. Yeah, the, the graphics were markedly Im well improved as much as Celsius. Well, actually, that's were playing that on the 3DS. No, no that was on the Wii U. Is, uh, oh, okay. Wii U. Uh, but the interesting thing with that though is both Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are HD. Those are actually remasters. Nintendo will just be like, yeah, we're putting out this old game. Oh, yeah, HD re-releases, I think, are the thing that annoy me more more so than other games. That's fair. It definitely Especially... annoyed me when they just came out with the Skyrim remaster. It's like, that game has not been out for that long. Well, it's are not even that. It's that <laughs> if, like, if you play it on PC, like, like I did, when that remaster came out, not only did it work less good than the actual... Because it came with, like better graphics than the HD pack that they released like however long ago but those textures actually looked worse and then for, for modders it's like nobody really at least on the PC nobody really needed to come out again yeah at that point you you had all the DLC you the had mods all sort of the do mod. a lot of yeah. that anyway yeah, and the mods replace most if not all the graphics especially for the computers nowadays where your modern gaming PC can definitely handle way more I should go reinstall Skyrim. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was actually the funny thing that happened uh, when the remaster came out, is there were all this stuff coming out about, like, oh, hey, we're going to play through Skyrim again now that uh, now that we're 
where we have a new version to play on consoles and stuff like that, ignoring that, yes, PC had been doing that for a while, but eh, I'm not one to get into the whole console versus PCs thing. But going through a lot of those maybe like, I'm going to fire up Skyrim again. And I started yeah. playing it for a while. It's it's an interesting thing that I've noticed that happens with Skyrim more than more so than almost any other game I've played is that when you are playing it and if you're playing it sort of on and off for a little bit like once I started playing it I'd be like oh I just want to play more Skyrim I just want to play more Skyrim and I hadn't thought about it at all in like a year uh then I went to Argentina for a month and obviously didn't didn't really think about it much at all there and came back and I was just like "Eh, I don't really need to play Skyrim it's like when you're actually there playing it it's just like you need to be playing it more and you're just thinking about oh i just can't wait to come back and play skyrim and then when you're not really thinking about it regularly it's like huh wonder why i like that so much well i think that's how it is with a lot of games that that's if you're fair. not immersed in the world it's like if you're not thinking about it there's see, no reason to be excited about it see i have i have a different problem I spend like 72 hours trying to set up the perfect mod setup because I have like hundreds and hundreds of mods setting up and that's for all of like maybe two to three hours of game time before I say fuck it and uninstall everything. It sounds like you're getting your fun from a different aspect of the game than the game. Yes, (laughs) Yes. that that sounds about right. All these systems, like I remember, I remember like a couple of years ago I did replay through Skyrim with all the mods and everything and it was just so much fun. And like it's Those now how pretty. I have to play it, yeah. Because there's there's stuff that will just like make it a worldwide economy. There's a script extender that allows them to do so much more, so much more stuff where they redo the perks, they change the combat, animals start attacking each other. It's like it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy what some people do. Yeah, and then yeah, the modding world is always interesting to me because you have the stuff that does make the game better. You have stuff that creates whole new worlds in the game. And then, you know, there's the large, large community of people. Like, I remember uh, I looked at the popular Skyrim mods for PC when it was coming out because I was curious what was going to be the ones there. It was like, you know, you had sort of like the big cool ones. I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then it was just like naked bodies because it's the internet. And of course, it's not that there's a problem with necessarily wanting naked people in your Skyrim. It's just that like, yeah, that's pretty much not too surprising <laughs> yeah i mean that that's why when you go to play sites like nexus right you definitely have like the adult only filter turning that on or off looking at which certain mods are here and like if you're willing to go through a lot of crap um i well actually i think for skyrim it's so much easier nowadays because people have guides to say like here are the mods that you really here need. are the best mods here are, like the that's better like... mods like here's like some here's like some pre-tested like compilation of mods that we know are going to work aren't going to crash you get that sort of stuff but uh i actually reinstalled fallout 4 ever buying Mm. ever since buying my new graphics card and i've been going through that modding process and that community i don't know if it was maybe fallout 4 itself not being as great a game or being kind of lukewarm at least even to me uh the modding community isn't as there it's Hmm, been that's interesting quite stale I, yeah, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder how much of that is that's a relatively newer game as well. I mean, I, this is something I legitimately don't know. Is is that because that's a relatively newer game and people are still sort of feeling things out? Is there more options in the modding ability? Yeah, I might be I, looking I don't in know. the wrong spot, actually. Of all cause... the games that are out right now, what would you say is, like, the big modded game? GTA V. Uh, 
or that Minecraft. Minecraft is well, yeah, Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft is its own. Minecraft is like that's the modding game. Yeah. yeah, I would say that's modding in a much different sense. Yeah. Whereas people are modding their own games versus modding like an online server. Because like sure. with Minecraft, you can definitely put mods on a server and like change things and have a lot of fun. I know because it used to be my life for about a year and a half during the start of college. Uh, but I say right now, at least modding. From a PC perspective, I know GTA 5 is really big, though that can get kind of dicey with a lot of hacks and stuff. Yeah. Um, I know, I think Skyrim is still like a thriving I mean, community. The, the Bethesda, yeah. Bethesda really supports their modders. I mean, I think that's one of the big things is if a game is going to be big in the modding community or not, is do they support their modders or do they not? And you think about, you know, Minecraft and Skyrim are two of the big ones in terms of how aggressively they support the modding community and how much they really put into that. A friend of mine is playing a, a mod right now for Skyrim, where, as far as I can tell, not a single similarity to the actual original game. Yeah, there, just... there are these, like, expansion packs <laughs> yeah. for Skyrim. And I wonder if maybe, maybe I have to do some research when I get home, is that what... I think I remember Fallout Four came out with their own modding marketplace that Bethesda came out with. Yeah, they're, they were enable like, modding on the PS4 and the uh, Xbox One. And I know that that was. The, the, I remember the announcement about that. People were really excited. You know, and it, the remastered, it, it worked. The remastered Skyrim did too. It, it yeah. has like the their. I mean, the built the mods that sort of are most popular. Well, I don't no, know. It's if, like you can re-release it. So there, yeah. there are there are some limitations because. Xbox, you can kind of package all the assets you want, and you have to make sure you build it for Xbox or whatever. Well, what I wonder as well, and, you know, again, this is something I don't know, is are some of those adult mods allowed no. on console? Yeah. No. Because no. so, so, well, Xbox, technically, it, they could be. I don't know if they get past the modding approval process. I haven't looked. I would doubt they would. But, I mean, but, it, you could, I guess, say all like the online content not rated sort of thing yeah. might cover that I, I just don't you know msrp weird yeah the thing is is that the ps4 actually at least for the consoles not msrp cannot, um you can't uh you can't pre-pack any textures or any custom objects or anything it's only you can only script new stuff so the PS4 is actually extremely limited in terms of the modding you could do in Fallout 4 and the new Skyrim, where you can't even like add new objects to the game. You can only use what was pre-built or pre-packaged. I saw because the Sony's paranoid. Minecraft mod today where somebody reskinned all the blocks. So they were recreating uh, Pokemon Red and Blue, like the map with the retextured blocks, the entire thing. It looked so freaking real. It's crazy what people can do with modding. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty, if you really have the power to do stuff with that, that's always, that's that's pretty neat. Speaking of mods, um, <laughs> that actually kind of segues into something I wanted to talk about. Cool. Uh, or one of the topics. Uh, so it turns out, uh, do you guys know what XCOM is? XCOM 2. Yeah. I'm aware of it, yes. Yeah, so it's like a turn-based strategy game that also apparently has a, a pretty uh, okay. intense modding community. So there are these modders that... Um, basically created uh, a bunch of set of mods in the same world. They're known as Team Dragon Punk. Hmm. And th apparently they had reached out to Firaxis looking for permission to say, can we set up this completely new standalone expansion 
or not a standalone, but like an entire like expansion co-op XCOM two mod for for, for XCOM two, and they wanted it to start a Kickstarter, and because you know like modding more or less gets kind of into the dicey area where it's like it's free, um, especially if the if the publishing company doesn't enable it, yeah. you usually don't get paid for your mods. It's usually just donations. Yeah, which is, you know, it, it gets into interesting things about our for games like the Bethesda games where or Minecraft where modding is such an integ- integral part of the experience. It, are the developers profiting off of other people's unpaid labor? You get into questions yeah. about that, but, you know... But then there's this thing where the XCOM 2 devs, or rather Firaxis, so Dragon Kong sent them a notice saying, we want to start this Kickstarter, we want to charge people $30 for this expansion, and just basically got hit with a no. Huh. Uh, well. Saying nah. cease and desist, sure. really. Yeah. I can't and say it, that it, that surprises it, me. There's that whole thing with the yeah. fan-made Pokemon game that got shut down. Well, th- those are like almost different, right? Because... This is something I I think, as far as I can tell, Xbox or XCOM Two has modding tools built in, right? Uh, but whereas, like, you get the custom Pokemon games, or what was the uh, the Metroid Light? Oh, game uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That the whatever. Yeah, that was some. For, yeah, Nintendo's been very famous for if somebody makes a like labor of love sort of thing for those games, they're like, nah. Well. It's actually, if you look at it a lot more closely, you can kind of see they support it in a weird way. Or so, if you look at that, those games like the Metroid like or the Pokemon game, they don't really shut it down until they finally release something. So as soon as they release the game, that's when you get the cease and desist. But you know that that Metroid like game was being developed for years and it had some publicity behind it but it never got stopped until they finally said well we're going to release it out to the internet and hmm. here it goes on these torrent sites all of a sudden it's like alright now we send the cease and desist but it doesn't matter because it's out there huh you know I don't know <laughs> no no right, right, right. I was really really excited about that I wish you that. could see that face <laughs> I was really excited about that Pokemon game and yeah um for that one, at least, it didn't really get popular until Nintendo started to be like, uh-uh. Oh, really? Not having it. No, so, which, yeah, I, I, I know I if, know. it, it depends. If you were, the first yeah, I'd heard of it was when uh, Kotaku or whatever had published an article being like, this fan-made game is getting shut down by Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, it, it gets into like a really weird part, because especially you get these labor of loves that people don't pay for. And yeah. I, I think those are completely fine and those typically tend to help the publisher a lot more out than than not but when you start charging for this sort of fan content i think it's where it gets weird because you saw that sort of rejection that came out when steam and uh um what was it steam and bethesda Um, tried to come out with these paid mod scheme and then you saw this huge rejection of the steam workshop and like just just craziness yeah, what's interesting too is also, you know, how that gets how that gets interesting is in some of the competitive scenes where the game itself may not make any money, like the game may be free. What I'm thinking about in this case is Project M based off of Smash Brothers Brawl, where that's a game that's not making any money. I believe Project M is free, but it 
the fact that that game exists could draw in money from streams and like sponsorships and stuff like that in events. So, you know, that's where it gets kind of interesting where the game itself isn't technically making money, but the game is making money for other people. Well, regardless of whether or not it's making money, it's still illegal. True. That <laughs> I mean, is You're not you're not going to see Project M at even. No, it's it's like, it's gone. Just, you're going to see it in the in those hotel rooms where people are playing <laughs> for money bets like under the under the table, but you're not going to see it at Evo proper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, the next thing I sort of was interested in hearing your guys' thoughts on and, you know, talking about a little bit uh, was, so recently I did a playthrough of Hitman Absolution, which I've had as uh, as for a while, decided I was just finally going to play through it and beat it. Eh. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Uh, and then I started playing Sniper. It was really dumb. Yeah. Uh, and then I started, I, it was just a really stereotypical story that, I, you know. You play the new Hitman. It's, which I hear. I hear that oh, one is, is very fun. Uh, so I also hard. recently started playing through Sniper Elite. And I, both of those. The new one or an older one? Uh, Sniper Elite 3. I guess okay. I should have clarified that. Uh, which, I think. I think it was three that actually got it real popular in recent memory. Yes, I, I don't. I it was remember the testicles one, right? Yep, that's the one that started the testicle shots. I've gotten a few ones. It's uh, it's harder to get than you'd think. Oh no, no, uh, it's, it's it's like extremely hard to get, but you you definitely can try for it. Yep, it's it's absolutely a thing. Anyway, so with playing those games, what it got me, it got me sort of thinking about because both of those games are very much stealth, patience heavy games like they're very much things where you have to sort of be patient kind of take everything slow and what's been interesting is that i haven't responded to those games nearly as much as i thought i would which is surprising because in almost almost all the shooters almost all the action games what i'll what i'll use as an example is tomb raider in the tomb raider games i play really much like that where it's like i'm very patient i'm very very stealthy i like to use pretty much exclusively the bow or whatever is like a silenced weapon so what i was trying to figure out was you know what about what about tomb raider and what about you know a halo where i i do again go stealthy as much as i can really appeals to me versus uh versus a game like hitman or sniper elite where it's more focused towards that and i don't respond to it as much so well, it's being forced to do it versus choosing to do it. Yeah, I, I guess that's definitely part of it. I mean, and I, so this might be a controversial opinion, but both Hitman Absolution and Sniper Elite Three aren't very great games. Yeah, and that may be a part of it is that I'm just not enjoying the game as much. It's just yeah. I was really expecting to love both of them because that tends to be how I play games is to be kind of slow and methodical with it. So the fact that it's like a game that's based around that doesn't speak to me is kind of odd to me. Have you do you have played the new Deus Ex? I mean, or rather the last two new Deus Exes? I have not Human played Revolution? that yet. They are and, high on my list, but I've yeah. not played them yet. Uh well, I would recommend if you play either of them, play Human Revolution and then wait like five years and then play Mankind Divided because they are the exact same games. <laughs> uh but I would say that the the problems I had with Absolution was that it wasn't necessarily a very good stealth game in terms of the mechanics. Uh, Blood Money was the game that introduced me to the Hitman series. Sure. And that was... Those were sort of very methodical. You're in a certain world and it's, you kind of go through these certain things. And it's like a living environment, which the new one actually gets very much closer to. 
and Absolution was very, very much like, uh, what's that? That one Splinter Cell game that turned into a cover-based shooter from a stealth game. Oh, was that Blacklist or was that no? Double it was Agent? the one before Blacklist. Uh, was Double Agent before or after? Bef- were- no, Double okay. Agent was before. I think that's when it was still a stealth game. Yeah, I, I, you know, there have yeah. been so many of those. It's hard um, to, to nail down which one. Yeah, was. but it's. I would definitely say that good stealth. Or good stealth mechanics can actually make it much more rewarding when you focus on a stealth game. Yeah. And I think it's something that's even very well done in games that aren't about stealth. Like, you say, you see it in Halo. I know there were times in Skyrim, going back to that. Yeah, I was, yeah, was, was going to say that as well. I played, I played Skyrim very well. stealthy in Skyrim. Or, or like, the, uh, that Oblivion, uh, mich- the Oblivion mission, the mansion mission. Oh, oh. yes, yeah, where you, right? you don't have, yeah. Like, I played that so stealthy by, like, being across the hall and then just shooting arrows into people. And just like knocking them out, it would, it was great. Yeah, and, um, and you know, t- like I said, Tomb Raider was the game where I was like, oh yeah, I, that's such, you know, you can play that totally like run and gun sort of thing, very much in kind of uncharted ish. Yeah, but it, it what I I was playing it like I always play it so stealthy with you know pretty much exclusively bow, being full stealth, all that kind of thing, and. You know, some of that, what I think some of that is with all those games, with the games that really do it well, uh, and this is something that it goes into making a good game as a whole, is you really feel like you're having an impact on the world. And if you feel like you have a bit of an impact on sort of the way the the NPCs are interacting with each other when you do go stealthy. Like with Tomb Raider, one of the things that will happen, and you know, with the first Tomb Raider, which you know, the, both the new Tomb Raider games I've loved very much, but what's interesting about those is as you get later into the game, uh, you'll hear the enemies sort of saying, oh, she's here, or something like that, or if they come across a body that you've stealthily killed, they'll be like, oh, we think Croft's here. Search for her. We can't let... And like, So you feel like you're more of a ghost, whereas that isn't something that really happens in Hitman Absolution or Sniper Elite. Nobody is talking about you. Nobody is talking about like oh god, oh god, what if this person's here and you know that or, and you know maybe there's some stuff in Sniper Elite about that, but it's one of the issues of most of the dialogue being in another language is you don't get that and you need to feel like you have that impact on the world. You need to feel like that you are the world is sort of responding to you in that way in order to get the full impact. Yeah, I, I recommend picking up the new Hitman if that's what that's the kind of thing you're looking for. It's very good with that. It's very good at making this enclosed world. But I was going to say, did you ever play Dishonored? I played for like an hour or so. I it, mm-hmm. Again, it's one of those ones that's been on my list for a while. I uh, played it at a friend's house for, yeah, about an hour or so. Was enjoying it, but I felt like I didn't really get far enough into it to really get a sense of the game. Yeah, that game, without spoiling anything, <laughs> uh, I think it's it's very interesting how that game tries to balance rewarding you for stealth and non-lethal kills. Really, is what it, what it really is, and that sort of morality thing with the just the in-game mechanics and not the decisions, the decision trees that you always have to make at certain points sure. in the game. The new one was. Really good with I that. I haven't played it. I need Dishonored to play it. I, I've yeah. heard I need good to buy things. It. It's real good. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how much also some of it is, you know, one of the things I, I didn't really appreciate with Hitman Absolution, as much as I did enjoy parts of the game, 
I felt it was too easy to take the route of, eh, fuck it, I'm just going to shoot him. Like, there's a yeah. lot of things you can do to make these super elaborate things happen, but it it gets to a point where because of, and this may be due to the stealth mechanics, it may be due to sort of how the levels are laid out, you know, it, it's I it it's probably a lot of those things coming together, but it it's so much easier in a lot of cases to just say, ah, I'm just going to shoot them. Yeah, that's something I, that is a problem I actually had with Absolution, where it was just much easier to just say, fuck it, and shoot everyone. Whereas previously, the the previous games, and I think the new one as well, kind of has this sense of replayability for each level. Sure. Where yeah. you're, you go into it, and you kind of like, try to puzzle things out, and say like, okay, that didn't work, I'm going to try it again. And the new one's actually very good at uh, facilitating that with new challenges, and new ways, and rewards for each level, and like new ways to beat the level and new challenges, and especially with their uh, sort of episodic content thing, which I, to be honest, I didn't think that was gonna work for Hitman, but I they don't pulled think it anybody off. thought it was gonna work. <laughs> like, it, it was incredible yeah. what they did no. with the the contracts and everything. So what I wondered too about that is sort of talking about you know how the the difficulty of or you know the the difficulty of going with not the stealth method might play into sort of the Tomb Raider things where it's not very difficult to not be stealthy. Like, you can absolutely just run and gun and be fine. But I wonder how much of the reason that I really gravitated towards that is so much of the early game in Tomb Runner... Or Tomb Runner? Jesus, what a... <laughs> words. an iPhone game? Uh, <laughs> Tomb Raider. Uh, so much of the early game of Tomb Raider is really teaching you how fragile Lara is and how... Uh, you know, smashing the patriarchy aside, how delicate that she is and, you know, how much that she's new to that world. And so I wonder how much of playing, like, in this stealthy sort of hiding, running away kind of thing, how much that plays into it is that I'm sort of subconsciously built in to be like, I need to take care of this character. And I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, that was actually something I remember hearing an interview with the devs where they say they wanted to make you care about Lara. That's why the deaths were so gruesome. Oof. But at the same time, I think that was actually one of the things I disliked about hmm. the first Lara Croft, rather, which is kind of, there's this very, um, ju like, this scene where she basically has to kill a deer, right? Yeah. And it's, like, the first thing she kills. And, then like, it also goes over, again, the first time she actually kills a guy. But yeah. then it's like immediately in the scene after she kills a die, you literally take a bow and arrow and drop six dudes. Yeah. And I think there's like that sort of like there were some storyline segregation that kind of made it very jarring. There was some sort of dissonance in terms of being that kind of crazy action game versus really trying to be a meditation on sort of the uh, what it takes to kill and stuff like that. That it wasn't something that I necessarily loved about those games, but with that said, those I had so much fun playing those games, and I could not love more what they did with that character. And like, I I was talking to my girlfriend recently about that, about how how crazy is it that within ten years you go from the you know crazy boobified Lara being the front page of, or the front cover of all those games to if you look at Rise of the Tomb Raider now, it's a scarred and scraped up Lara wearing a a snowsuit basically and it's just like how interesting is that that we've sort of moved in that direction for that character and how cool it is that they took you know 
frankly, kind of a sexist character who existed because a developer accidentally made her boobs much larger than he was intending to and made it into now, you know, one of the sort of icons of women in gaming. And I think that's really interesting. I mean, it, it, it's also, you could also saying say that, that, excuse me, saying that as a guy talking about how cool that is, maybe Evelyn yeah. would disagree. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's something about Tomb Raider in and of itself that it is, there are still parts of it that are somewhat, uh, problematic. So, yeah. Problematic yeah. in the sense, like the same thing, that same dev, right? Like saying, I want you to care about this girl, but it's like, that's not necessarily who Lara Croft is in my opinion. And I would say that I liked the new one. I mean, Game, gameplay aside, I thought the story of the newest one was actually very, very good. Yeah, in I the way that I, I played everything out. I, I've I've loved both of the new ones very much because of it really, it really being genuine to and you know I never really cared for the Tomb Raider games much before, but it it, it being genuine to what I did like when I played them, while also taking it in a totally new direction for and frankly, what I think is a better direction. Uh, so without, uh, like I said, though, my perspective on women in gaming is very limited by my penis. So, you know, I've never played a Tomb Raider game, so I don't have that much of a strong opinion about the whole thing. I've watched some gameplay of the most recent one, and she's a cool, badass character. It's um, like that. That was actually another thing I was going to say is that the the new Tomb Raider with all of her badassery was they they were able to kind of like translate that attractiveness from like the giant boobs to this kind of like this little machine of destruction single handedly ripping she's a fucking animal society. yeah <laughs> and I was just like I'm just like oh that's so good just like taking your arrow and just like knocking seven dudes out it's oh yes yeah. something great about that. But at the same time, you can't escape the roots of the, no, you the can't. extremely sexist oh, roots no, no. of her character. Yeah, definitely and, not. And you, you can't. And, you know, I this is sort of a philosophy thing for me where I, I always like to give props for doing things well as opposed to necessarily being like, well, this is still a problem. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't escape that. You can't escape uh, the fact that it is still... And then at the same time, something I've always held against that series is every single time somebody, another game comes out with a white male lead, um, and people say, hey, maybe we should consider, like, the slightest amount of diversity in our gaming. Everyone says, ladies, stop complaining, you have Laura Croft. That is true. Like, and oh, thanks yeah, a lot, no, I'm so glad that, that I have that one a... character I'm allowed to relate to in yeah. all of AAA yeah, gaming. Yeah, 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 That's great. I, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, saying, oh yeah, this exists is not good enough to say, no. oh yeah, we're, we're there as as gamers were yeah. there as an industry. Oh, no, yeah. and I, what I think is cool is just seeing that you do have that progress, but at least in terms of one of yeah. the most sexist things, making progress to being, unfortunately, yes, the only one of that sort of type yeah. that is that kind of strong, badass female character and it's while still being a character. a fair amount. The uh, latest um, Assassin's Creed game where there was a female playable character who everyone she agreed is... was not as cool as her brother. Or... No, 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 no. I... Damn, I liked Evie. Okay. I liked Evie Fry. I didn't play there it. Was... No, she was, she was a, f- I mean, so like. That was her, her, Syndicate, right? Yeah. yeah. So Syndicate was the one in London and basically her brother was like the very basic Ezio womanizer. Like, ooh, I'm going to go around and kill people while the Evie was a lot, kind of like, kind of like a little bit more brainy and saying like, I'm going to do this methodically and like basically kill shit. But I, I think I played the majority of that game with Evie. 
And then there's, there's also so much, there's so much Dishonored cool. Two, where yeah. you could go through the entire game as either the male or the female character, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's and always neat. I personally thought that her uh, powers were way cooler than. Oh, then uh, what's uh, Corvo? Yeah, it's it's because it's his daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So um, I mean. It's obviously improving a lot. Yeah, but, it, we, but as it, there's still a long way to go. And even in movies, there's still a long way to go. People still have this idea that uh, whoever is listening, just because your character is a woman and shoots people does not make her a strong female character. Zack Snyder has this problem where he's like, oh, she's a badass. That makes her a strong female character. And that's not what that means. That's a, a strong female character is basically where the woman is a character, yeah. not that they are strong, not that they it's are about, physically a strong it's about character. An interesting character. Yes, the word should be interesting. So, like, who's excited for the next Last of Us when they saw the yes, trailer? Yes, that is like holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, her playing on the guitar as you know either potentially ghost uh what's his face comes in and like sees her and her basically like the what it kind of implies is that she basically went in and killed that entire base Mm -hmm. of fireflies with her bare hands basically well what's uh and you know what's interesting with that is i remember when that came out there was all the debate about uh, and there still is debate about, you know, what game really treated its characters better, what game had necessarily a stronger female character. Was it Last of Us for that year, or Bioshock Infinite? Those were sort of the, I remember... Re- oh, they did Last of Us. It's not even a question. I think that is probably true, but I find it interesting that that debate was so prevalent. Well, if, if I don't take the Bioshock Infinite DLC into account. Because I haven't played it, and as far as I know, it's a lot more interesting than the original game in terms mm-hmm. of how it plays with the characters. Death at Sea, I think it was yes, called. Yes, Death at Sea. Uh, Death at Sea. Burial at Sea, excuse me. It's Burial, Burial at Sea. There we go. Um, I, I need to play that, actually. Shit, I should play that. It's good. I, th- I had problems with it, uh, mostly based on the fact that, for me, the, uh, the story... The story kind of ended with Bioshock Infinite, and then I felt that the the neck them adding on to it felt unnecessary. But that's just me. Well, I mean, yeah, that that company that studio's not really there anymore. Yeah, Insomnia's it? gone. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, good talking, guys. That it's been uh, we got to wrap it up at this point. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us, and really. Have a great day. Yeah, great. <laughs> Have a great day, night. Uh, <laughs> However great, morning. whenever you're listening. Morning. Welcome to the morning zoo. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no. Yeah, have a have a good day. Bye. Sorry, Carloa. <laughs>